Hello, welcome back. This is the Scouted Football Podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue. Um, today we have a very good episode on the horizon uh, as we have an Arsenal expert and, and scouted veteran, Phil Costa, joining us once again. I think for his third or fourth appearance. Um, so just as many goals as Olivier Giroud scored uh, for Chelsea over the Champions League midweek break. Um, speaking of the Champions League, Chelsea did qualify for the knockout stages um, with their 4-0 win over Sevilla. Uh, you've also got Liverpool qualified, Man Manchester City through, uh, but not Manchester United as of yet. They still face uh, a task to, to defeat the likes of Paris Saint-Germain, RB Leipzig, and in their final group game. Last night, uh, we were uh, we were watching Arsenal defeat Rapid Vienna in the UEFA Europa League 4-1. And it was a monumental occasion because it meant that fans were back at stadiums for, for one of the first uh, times since March. We've seen that uh, up and down the, the grounds in the, the English Football League, which has been fantastic to see. Um, but uh, it was it was a very special moment at, at the Emirates last night as, as Arsenal ran out 4-1 winners um, over Rapid. Uh, and in front of 2,000 fans, it may not be too many at the moment, but it's good just to have them back. Um, but it's also very good to be back with with Phil uh, on, on the Scouted Football Podcast. Phil, how, uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, good, mate. It is nice to be back because, you know, for various reasons, I can't come on as much as I would like, but I'm sure there's more interesting people to listen to than me. But uh, no, no, it's good. I, I enjoy coming on here. So happy to chat about my uh, my team. Well, I was going to say, I don't know if there'd be too many other people who'd be better placed to, to discuss Arsenal, especially on such a such a monumental week as well. You know, we do have the uh, the upcoming small matter, the North London derby uh, this weekend. How are you feeling towards that? Oh, no, I hate it. I always hate <laughs> the build up to the, to the North London derby. Even if Spurs were on zero points after 37 games played, I would still hate it. Um, it's just horrible. And now, especially uh, our contrasting fortunes, should we say, uh, make it even worse. And it's at their ground and the fans are back in. It's just, you know, it's awful. You genuinely feel sick for the whole week. Um, but, you know, this is it would be typical Arsenal to, to somehow get a result now, wouldn't it? So we just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's been a bit of a, a topsy turvy season so far. I mean, there's there's been there's been good results, but there's also been very poor results. Um, there's been poor performances which have ended in wins uh, and, and vice versa and and I wouldn't say that you know the, the tide is turning on Mikel Arteta because I, I think that's I don't think that's very fair uh, to say at all but I think there's sort of been question marks raised over the past few weeks at least that you know maybe this the turnaround and the rebuild isn't sort of taking off at the same speed that most people would have wanted it to um just on a general point what would your what are your thoughts towards Mikel Arteta well I'm Personally, in the man, in Mikel Arteta, the man, I've invested a lot. I think he, you know, he speaks very well. He carries himself well, even from his his first sort of interview after after being appointed. He was very clear about, you know, holding standards uh, and changing the culture and, and, you know, all that stuff. So from, from minute one, I was sort of on board with him. Um, and, you know, he's just a very impressive guy uh, to listen to. He carries himself well, but... You know, on the pitch, it's been really difficult because, you know, for obvious reasons, people are getting impatient with with results. But, you know, people seem to forget it's his first job, ever job, you know. Um, and usually you start in the lower leagues and, and work your way up. Or, um, you know, even Frank Lampard's doing well this year, but he had that year at Derby. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. And going into any top club is difficult, but especially to a shambles that was and and actually continues to be Arsenal uh, at, at board level. He's overseen so much in less than a year, you know, player turnover, crazy contracts that he's had to deal with, people kicking off uh, in training and too many executive changes on the board. And, you know, it's just when you actually look at the timeline of what's happened, you think, oh, bloody hell, he's, like, he's not even 40 yet, this guy, and he's having to deal with all this stuff. So... In one way, results are obviously frustrating because, you know, we watch the games and we see the struggles and and it hasn't quite changed as quickly as we like. But you also have to balance it out with what's happening on, uh, you know, around the club. And, and you know, we, we just sort of we've invested a lot in him as a club and it's kind of sort of enjoying the ride now. So uh, whether that's for a, a good or, or a bad one, we just need to, to see what happens and trust him. 
Yeah, I mean, he's been there for, what, a year now, there or thereabouts. And, you know, because of the, the disruption that happened back in March, you know, when he was just starting to build up ahead of steam, um, you know, it, it, it kind of felt like the, the restart was also an, a restart for Mikel Arteta at Arsenal as well, even though technically that was six, seven months into his time in the job. Um, and, and I suppose, you know, the, the start of this season, it's the start of his his first full campaign in charge, or at least you'd hope. Um so I feel like it's been very stop-start, very stuttered, very staggered so far. Um, and I think it's 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 very easy to judge based on sort of looking at the at results and just saying, right, okay, these six games, these 12 games, these blocks have just not been good enough. But then you look at the circumstances around that, as you've just been alluding to, um, sort of at the club in the wider, you know, the, the world as, as a whole. Um, and, and it can't have been easy. It can't have been um, a simple task. And, you know, he's got all the things about, um, you know, Mesut Ozil to deal with. He's had Matteo Guendouzi to deal with. Um, he's had the, the small issue of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's contract to sort, whether Bukayo Saka would sign a new deal in the summer. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a difficult task, but um, just onto more like things on the pitch, um, you know, there's been lots said about how Arsenal have, have perhaps been a bit anemic in, in terms of their attacking. Now, I mean, that wasn't on display last night, scored four goals against against Rapids um, and, and a nice spread of goal scorers as well. It's good to see Eddie and Ketia on the score sheet, uh, Lacazette with a fantastic strike uh, and one for, for Emil Smith-Rowe as well, uh, which was a, a nice collector's item. Um, what would you say sort of has been the issue uh, in the Premier League? Honestly, it's hard to say to just put it on one thing, you know, I think when he first came in, his his first job was clear and that was to fix the defence. You know, under Emery, we were, in his last few months, we were genuinely a disaster uh, in sort of defensive phases and transitions. I mean, every team was just opening us up uh, at ease, you know, and it, it didn't matter what their level was. It was just so easy to get through our midfield and then straight to our back four. Um so what he did when he first came in, he started with the started with the four initially, um, and then he slowly moved towards this this three three at the back formation, um, and you know people don't like it because it it feels defensive, um, but honestly we needed to fix it urgently, um, and he did you know um, even though the the numbers weren't quite uh, you know a, a huge improvement on what we saw with Emery. In the general play, you could see the quality of shots that we were conceding, where, you know, how easy it was for teams to break through us. Um, we made it a lot more difficult. Um, so that was his main job. And he did it. And and now it's sort of getting the best out of us uh, in an attacking sense moving forward, which is which has proven a lot more uh, challenging, shall we say, because obviously, like you said, Meza Urza was frozen out for, for a number of reasons, I'm sure. Um, and beyond that, we don't really have any natural creative players or tens in the squad. I mean, he he tried to fix that with Willian coming in, in in the summer, but that's been a disaster really after his, you know, good debut against Fulham. Um, you know, we haven't really had any sort of uh, consistency in the middle. Um, and it's just, it's been rough for sure, but... There have been signs here and there that he can do it, um, but in the Premier League, for sure, we just look completely short of confidence. And you're kind of looking at the January window and thinking, hmm, maybe we need to we need to do something here. Spe- speaking of the January window, if you kind of had to go in there and you had uh, a, a blank checkbook, um, perhaps with maybe some realistic expectations mm. as, over who you could who you could acquire. I know you said sort of the middle has been has been pretty rough at times. I know that Thomas Partey hasn't really hit the ground as you'd expect, but I mean, he's only played, what, 300 minutes. I mean, that's no time at all. Um, so, you know, it feels like you've still got the best to come from him. Um, uh, you know, Gabriel Magalhaes has, has, has settled in well in defence. I think he's probably been one of the one of the, the stronger points from the start to the season, sort of from a neutral perspective. Um, but I mean, uh, uh, you know, it looks as though, sort of, apart from that creative element, that there's just a problem scoring goals. But you look at the the personnel that Arsenal have: Aubameyang, of course, um, Alex Lacazette, uh, Eddie Nketiah. You know, those are those are three strikers that any other team would kill for. Um, and I know it's not as simple as good strikers put the ball in the back of the net more often than bad strikers. Um, you have to have a system that accommodates them. But you know, what what would you would you bring in somebody else? Uh, uh, like in attack, maybe to sort of 
I don't know, try and get more out of Nicola Pepe in the Premier League because he's great in the Europa League, but ultimately I think just in at Premier League level, he's just too inconsistent. The same with sort of William, you know, after you mentioned his his debut against Fulham, that looked to be sort of a bit of a turning point. Um but it's kind of it, it hasn't sort of kicked on. It, you've had the spark, but the flame hasn't hasn't burned brightly. Um, you know, is is, is there is, is there an area of the field that you'd you'd immediately supplement? I mean, for sure, yeah, for sure in the middle. Uh, but it's not easy because th- these players are at such a premium anyway, and the January market is always difficult because play uh, you know the clubs don't want to lose their players unless you know. For example, there's there's been a lot of links to Dominic Schoboslai from uh, RB Salzburg, and but you know, having a expecting a free run at him is is, is just fantasy. You know, there's going to be naturally Leipzig interested, who's the sort of the natural step up, and then you've got Milan, Napoli, you know, even Spurs. I think were linked this week, so it's like it's not easy to 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 get into the January market. A for someone that you can sign. And that's available, and B to, to sort of fight off that competition. And Arsenal aren't exactly uh, healthy financially at the moment, despite the the significant outlay on on Thomas Partey in the summer. So, I mean, of course, we need goals from from midfield, um, and Sobosly looks like a natural uh, fit for that position. Um, and obviously, there's Jose Malwa as well, who. Who was linked quite heavily in the summer, but even he his his goal scoring record's not amazing. You know, he's more of that connector, that facilitator in in the number eight or left sided role. So it's really tough. Um, and thankfully, Emil Smith Rowe has has sort of come back at a nice time because I know you you mentioned it was a sort of a collector's item, but his goal scoring record is actually decent for Arsenal. I think he's got four goals in nine starts. Um, and I know it's the Europa League and and the sort of the EFL Cup where his most of his minutes come from, but he looks like a really interesting player who can a sort of break lines with his running and passing, but also run beyond the lines as well. And any midfielder at Arsenal is just not doing that at the moment. Every midfielder is the same. Uh, you know, Shaka, Sabayos, El Neni, Thomas Partey can do it, but his role is sort of a bit more reserved in this team. So. Just please, anyone with legs uh, who can run a bit, <laughs> because we have the slowest team in England. I'm sure of it. <laughs> I mean, you, you've started out with the sort of the objective, and you know, bringing in Sobislav would probably be a good idea to sort of end in that mini monologue with just a please. Just if you have yeah. functioning legs and you can run, <laughs> if you can run past the attackers, My then you God. know what? There's a contract here for you. Um, no, so I guess that kind of that kind of sums up the frustration, especially ahead of such an important game. But I mean, you, you mentioned Emil Smith Rowe, uh, and it'd be nice to, to chat about him because you know he did he he was very well thought of at Huddersfield Town, where he was on loan for six months or so last season. Um, scored uh, scored a handful of goals um, and and was kind of you could just you know you can you can often tell Phil you, you'll know because you've seen sort of players in the championship like Brentford and, and the like but when 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 players really stand out in that division they they stand out to to the nth degree because you know they they just possess something different um, and I think Smith Rowe was was that type of player at Huddersfield you know he he, he had sort of a, a real attacking verve and just just tied everything together really nicely in 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 the, the well the team that used to be managed by Danny Cowley, um, and I, I mean it's it, it's an interesting one because I wouldn't have said based on that that you know there'd be a there'd be a slot for him at at first team level for Arsenal because we've seen how difficult it has been for, for Eddie and Ketia to to break into the first team you know it's been two or so years now. Um, and, and you know he went on loan to Leeds and scored whenever he when he whenever he was called upon essentially. But um, you know it, it's been difficult for him to to score uh, f- for um, to to start sorry for, for Arsenal because of the talent that's ahead of him. Um, with Smith Rowe, do you think that I don't know that that Arteta would would hedge his bets on him? You know when he's got the likes of Willian and Pepe and all the oh seventy two million on the bench or oh, Willian big contract on the bench. Da, 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 would you do you think he'd, he'd, I don't know, have the cojones to start uh, to start Smith Rowe? I mean, with Arteta, I don't think he really cares about any of the external stuff. Um, you know, he 
generally he has followed an idea of, of meritocracy. You know, if you play well, most of the time you will start. Um, but obviously it's, it's different for the young players because their levels are often quite inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's always been a fan of Smith Rowe. He's, he's gone on the record saying that, but it's just always when he seems to be on the cusp of breaking through, he's injured. Um, you know, he, he gets really unlucky with, with small problems that keep him out for like one or two months you know, a few weeks here and there, and it adds up. Um, and when you're constantly in and out of the side, it's impossible to to get a run going. Um, so hopefully now he's had, he's had his minutes with the under-23s. He's slowly been in, integrated back into first-team training. He's made a couple of appearances here and there. And, you know, he got an assist against Mulder last week. He scored against uh, Rapid VN this week. So slowly, slowly, he's he's sort of finding his way back in and, I think, like you said, there's definitely players that would that would, you know, imaginably uh, be ahead of him in the in the pecking order. Pepe uh, for for all his troubles and Willian for sure, but you know he he gives you the luxury of playing in the wide areas or in central areas, and I think that could mm. be really useful. Um, you know, for example, if we're looking to play on the break, or you know, I'm not saying he should start every game, but he's definitely an option now. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in January because there's always the option to loan him again. But for me, I would maybe, like they did with Enketia last uh, last January, I would definitely keep him around and just see what he can, he can contribute, you know? Yeah, because I think there, there would be plenty that he could add. You know, just being that link player, as you, as you say, just having that the ability to play either in a wide position or or in a central area. I mean, what on his loan, he didn't play. He did he did play more centrally, um, and he was that link player, um, which I think, you know, big clubs like Arsenal, you know, sometimes they may focus on you know what they want style um, to to be at the forefront of, of of how they play their football, but ultimately, I think just. Adding a player like Smith Rowe, even though he may not be at consistent Premier League level yet, but in those flashes you can see that he has that that ability um, to to be a to be an effective uh, influence on, on on attacking phases. And who cares if it's not a 50, 60 million pound player who's been plucked from an obscure league like Dominic Soboslai? You know, if, if it's someone from Hale End, who's to say that they can't be just as influential in that one moment where you need to play Aubameyang through, you need to receive the ball, turn and then spray it um, out into the wide areas to, to initiate a counter-attack. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from in that scenario. It just matters if you're, if you're effective enough and, and, and good enough to be able to do that. Um, and uh, on the whole, you know, there's, there, are, there, are, there are positives to take for, for the future. You know, it's, it, it's, it was never going to be an immediate success with Arteta. It was never going to be an immediate success. You know, this is Arsenal we're talking about. Um, but there are... You know, this is this being the scouted football podcast. Myself and, and and Phil, you know, we both know that there's there's the scores of talent with laying beneath the surface of this Arsenal first team, um, and there's there's I think there's one that I've really missed seeing this season uh, has been has been Martinelli, um, because I think when when he burst onto the scene last season, uh, I mean nobody and I mean nobody expected him to do as well as he did. So even if he you know dropped down a level this season and he I know he hasn't played because he's been injured and that sort of thing but even if he dropped down a level you know he's still a teenager the expectation is still very low of um for him but the 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 expectation for his future is high if that makes sense um and and I just really like watching him because I think he just adds a difference to this Arsenal team it can look a bit stale and tepid at times but Martinelli never looks like that I think he he always looks sharp alert you know really eager like kind of like that new puppy feeling um, and and he's he's to come back. I mean, what is sort of the consensus from you on on Martinelli and him potentially returning to the first team um, in future? No, no. Well, I mean, we're we're all absolutely really excited for him to come back because I'll always remember when he signed. You know, the, they did all the pictures and the you know the background information on him on, on the Arsenal website, and the line at the bottom said something along the lines of, you know, there's no. Uh, expectation of, of where he will be placed you know in the first team or the under 23s and the, but the final line was uh, but he will give, be given the chance to impress and um in pre-season you were just thinking that, like looking at this guy like what who is this guy like he's come we've plucked him from the fourth division in brazil um and he was just going on these like 50 yard runs through the middle of the pitch and you know scoring obscene headers and and 
proving his goal scoring knack by just being around and in the box. And you, you're thinking, okay, we, you know, we've got something here because nobody really knew anything about him. Um, I remember speaking to Brazil, some Brazilian colleagues of mine and they were just like, yeah, yeah, no, he's done well in, in all the state championships, but you know, we never expected him to, to go to a, a big European club like Arsenal. They expected him, you know, to go to a bigger Brazilian club like Corinthians or, uh, or Gremio or someone like that, Sao Paulo. But yeah, he just, from the first minute he came, he's just been quite similar to Alexis Sanchez, actually. We we call him the Duracell bunny because he's just hmm. constantly bouncing up and down and pressing and niggling at people. And he, when you watch him, especially on the left, his movement is so good. Um, you know, he used to bend his runs and, and he's just constantly looking to get in behind and into the danger zone. And sometimes you need players like that who can just unsettle defences because too often, you know, you see players in Arsenal and they're just like, oh, touch, touch, turn around, uh, play a laboured pass five yards to the side. You know, sometimes you just got to get it in between the lines, over the top, put some people in distress, you know. And, you know, there was a there was a while under Emery last year where he was comfortably our best player. Um, and actually, he didn't play too much when Arteta first took over, but you can see the talent. And it was a big miss having him out for so long because, like you said, that spark that he brings, we, we desperately lacked. Um, so obviously, it's not going to happen overnight. He had a serious knee injury, you know, uh, with cartilage problems. You, you never know where, where the speed is going to go, the sharpness, the quick turns. But, you know, we're going to give him the time and hopefully he can come back to to sort of replicate anywhere near those levels because we were all really excited by him. And I think, I know he's on the left at the moment, but his future for me lies in the middle. So uh, it will be interesting to see what happens after Aubameyang and, and Lacazette leave. Well, yeah, because, you know, he's got that, he does have the stature where if he did fill out, you could definitely see him holding his own through the middle. Um, and, and yes, he's playing off the left at the moment or, or was playing off the left. And, and you know, you've got, uh, I mean, you've got Bakao Saka there. I, just one thing to me when when you when you were speaking there is kind of I was going through the Arsenal squad in my head and I was I was good, like thinking about the the different players and personnel wise there's there's so much talent there and I think it just hasn't clicked yet but when it does the, it's got the makings to be you know a, a top top side again because you know there is a lot of young players in in this squad I mean we 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 saw it with Chelsea last season. You know, they, they had a lot of youngsters in, in the squad or, or, you know, players in, in between the sort of the 20 and 23 range. And I think Arsenal is very similar. You know, there's quite a few players at that 23, 23 age at the moment. There's a few teenagers, um, but it, it's, I don't know, I think it, it's a difficult one because you don't want to persevere with a, with a project that isn't going to deliver the goods. But I think in the end, it probably will because, you know, you've got, you've got the likes of Martinelli, you've got the likes of Saka. You've got the likes of Smith Rowe, Reese Nelson, Joe Willock, um, Ainsley Maitland and Niles, um, Kieran Tierney, Gabriel. You know, these are all very young players. In the, they're all still relatively in the infancy of their career. You could say that they've all got, at the very least, 10 years at the top level left. So for me, it's just like, it's, it will click at some point. It, it, it clicks for individual players at different stages. You know, you see, um, for example, someone like Odson Edouard, you know, left to go on loan to Toulouse um, uh, for his first loan deal, scored once in about 17, 18 games, then went to Celtic and it just it just worked for him. He, he just got it uh, and, and hasn't looked back since. Um, and I, I mean, <laughs> that's a player that I could tell you definitely like to sign Phil. Um, but I mean... It, in terms of just going back to, to what we were discussing in terms of like attacking wise, laying beneath the surface, you know, you've got Martinelli who can play through the middle, but there's also uh, following Balogun. There's also Nikolai Muller who was signed in the summer. Um, you know, these are two very, very good young players. And I'd say Balogun probably has outgrown under 23 football now, perhaps would be, would be ripe for a loan in January um, in, into the EFL or, or, or somewhere else, uh, a league of similar stature. Um, because you know, it, it Hayland keeps seeming to churn out these these players, and they're all of different sort of styles, which I think is mm. is is very it's very interesting. Because you know, it, theoretically, you'd you'd have an academy which would would excel at producing one type of player. You know, you look at um, you look at Ajax or La Masia. You know, you've got very technical, very very mobile players. Um, but with, with Arsenal, you know, you seem to be producing a a, a variety. 
Um, just just on on Balogun and, and Muller, what are you, sort of your your thoughts on on their long term futures? Because I know there's been some discussion over Balogun's contract; it's not yet signed. But I mean, what is the situation there? I mean, Balogun is an interesting situation because you know, ever for the last few years, all, all Arsenal fans sort of knew about him because you know. Arsenal have a separate account for their a Twitter account for their academy, um, and basically every time they used to live tweet a match, Balogun scores was basically an inevitable tweet. Um, every time, you know, it was just he he's he's had he's been so productive, um, and actually, interestingly enough, uh, not as productive as Eddie Nketiah. But there just seems to be something in his game, like his profile. I don't know what it is, his physical profile or his technique. He just looks so rounded. You know, he's quick, he's strong. He can finish with both feet. He's got a real um, sort of knack for his movement. I mean, we did a tweet on the on the Scouted Football account when he made his debut against Dundalk. And I think he had about uh, 10 minutes towards the end of the game. Um, and there was like four or five instances where you can see him on the shoulder of the last defender just pointing into space, like, give it to me now. Um, he's just always looking to goal and... Um, it was really disappointing last summer when when David Ornstein came out and he said, you know, talks have broken down and and uh, and he wants to leave. And with one year left on his deal, that's you know far from ideal because you can imagine all the all the clubs in Germany thinking, oh, red alert, red alert, another English talent, you know, come and pick me up and sell for you know sixty million in a few years. And it was you know it was a, a really big disappointment because you know Arsenal's history with with various various youth players, you know, Jeffrey Adelaide, Ismail Benasser, Donia Marlin. We've seen all these people sort of fall through the gaps. So naturally your mind went there for, for Balogun. But slowly, slowly, I think he's been in- integrated into the first team under Arteta. You know, he's liked what he's seen. And now I, I think an agreement's close, uh, which is really good news for us because even if he doesn't um, sort of go on to be a first team regular, we can still get good money for him. And in this current climate, you know, young English strikers can always go for for decent money. You know, just look at Rian Brewster and maybe even Eddie Nketiah in the future if you can't quite make the breakthrough. So, but I don't know, there's just something about Balogun where you think, hmm, he's got something, you know, this kid's got something. Um, And actually, I was quite disappointed he only got 10 minutes yesterday, but I'm sure in the final game against Dundalk, he will hopefully get half an hour to show what he can do because he knows where the goal is. That's, you know, there's no question about that. Yeah, I remember that tweet um, for of Balogun uh, of ours when when um, he he'd made his debut, uh, and and just you can see the difference that, that that there is when you've got a player who's willing to pull defenses, um, willing to stretch them with runs because it's not always about receiving the ball on the end of that run. But if you drag a player out of space, Arsenal have got the wisdom in, and and the quality in the rest of the squad to be able to identify the space that's been vacated by a striker and a defender and and kind of play into that. Um, so I think it's, you know, a striker striker is perhaps how I'd describe him if I was being reductive, you know, scores a lot, scores a lot of goals, scores different types of goals. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like like you say, you know, maybe the future isn't there from at the club, but I mean, there was there was talk of him going for something like four million to Sheffield United um, over over the summer, which for someone who hadn't made a senior appearance is a bit, you know, it, 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 it kind of speaks volumes of the quality. That yeah, and actually, got. and sorry to interrupt, and Brentford no, are right. in for him as well. Um, and, you know, if Brentford are coming in for your players, then that should say something, you know, so. Um, oh, absolutely, their, yeah. Their scouting is excellent. So that, that should have been alarm bells for Arsenal, you know. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. But it would be a really good thing to keep him for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, even even if he was just blooded sort of, very slowly, just in in the same way that Enketia has been, you know, he just gets that that familiarity with with playing at that level. Um, and and who's to say that he wouldn't? It like I was saying before, who's to say it wouldn't just click for him? And then it would, you know, you'd never look back and you'd think, what a great decision it was to to secure him to that one or two year extra uh, on on top of his current contract, which realistically has cost us nothing. Um, mm. But it's it's gonna it, it's it's paid dividends in the end. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't I couldn't see why you wouldn't extend it. Um, I, when there was sort of the discussion over whether he would be awarded a new one, I think that was very much on the basis of whether he wanted to stay beyond next summer. Um, because like, again, as you were saying, you know, young English players 
they have the option to go wherever they want um, with, with this success that there has been with the Sancho's and the Bellingham's and the, the Eunice Musa's who, you know, as you all know, was a, was an ex Arsenal Academy boy, but um, yeah, there's, 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 there's plenty to make about that. I, I don't know if you've seen um, much of Nikolai Muller um, who you signed in the summer yet, but um, just in sort of the clips on that Arsenal Academy account, actually, uh, and just looking at sort of the, the goals that he scored, he seems to be sort of, I don't know, like a like a like a mini Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and that's not just uh, not just because <laughs> we found the Swedish. region. We found the region <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, found the region. Um, but yeah, I mean, he 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 looks. I mean, he's what eighteen, nineteen. He looks very, very strong for his age. He is a man mountain, like genuinely. I mean, we like you said, nobody's really seen too much of him because he came sort of out of the blue last minute on deadline day, I think, uh, during the summer or, or a few days before. Um, and then people started to notice that he'd, he'd scored a few goals in the academy level. And I think some somebody, I can't remember quite who it was, posted like a video of all his goals and assists. And you were just like, is this guy for real? Like, he's massive, genuinely huge. <laughs> um, but, you know, he's he's quick as well. And you, and you see him like running behind a few times and you think, my God, if he can put all of this together, then, you know, there's a real player here because... Um, He's actually been playing in a front two with Balogun for the under-23s, which we don't really do at Arsenal. So, uh, you know, Steve Bold obviously thinks there's there's potential there for for a sort of a big man, sort of less big man partnership. I know Balogun's not small, but um, he's small compared to him for sure. Um, but, you know, he's he, he's got like a nice sort of grace about his game as well. He looks really comfortable on the ball, um, quick in behind, can control it on his chest in sort of Fellaini-esque magnetic fashion hmm. um so you know I'm, having these players is is never a bad thing when you can just pinch them from you know around europe and and in the end like you said before we don't really lose if we tie him down to a three or four year deal we move him on for a few million in the summer it, it benefits us you know so you know he either comes good and he plays for us or he doesn't and we move him on you know that's that's the churn that's how it is at the top level just ask chelsea you know um so we just have to wait and see how he develops. But for sure, from a few clips that we've seen, he's uh, he's definitely a unique profile. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, unique profile is probably the, the more measured and, and less um, sensationalist way of putting it compared to my mini Ibrahimovic line, which <laughs> now I hope that, you know, everybody refers to him as that. Um, but no, no, he, he's, a, he's an interesting prospect. And, and as you say, unique in the sense that, um, yeah, he seems... Seems to be uh, doing very well uh, for, for the under twenty threes, and you know it's never a bad sign. Um, I mean, we've we've discussed a few strikers, and we've discussed Martinelli. You know, uh, you know players who you could imagine sort of having a, a decent future, or at the very least, being sold on for big money. Um, but I, I hate to break it to you, Phil, but this one's probably not going to be as positive. Uh, it's it's the the William Saliba situation um, because you know he's a player that that myself I watched. Uh, a fair bit at Saint Etienne, uh, along with Wesley Fofana, uh, and you know he, he's a good, very, very good player, very good centre half. I know there's been some some issues sort of in his personal life uh, and, and and outside of football, which may have affected his his, um, his integration to, into Arsenal and, and how well he's settled. Um, and forget you know not forgetting that he's still a very young man, still 19 years old. Um, but the I think the the decision to to leave him out of the Europa League squad where there, were, there clearly will have been minutes for him. You know, you look at the group, which with all due respect to the other sides, you know, Molde, Dundalk and, and Rapid Vienna, you know, not the strongest sides and, and probably weaker opponents than uh, than Saliba was was playing in Ligue 1. So, you know, there, there should have been minutes there for him. Um, I'm not quite sure that the reasoning behind the, the decision to sort of, yeah, I, I, I don't know, he seems to have been wrapped in cotton, cotton wool almost, which seems you know, counterintuitive when you spent 27, 28 million on a player over a year ago and he still hasn't sort of delivered yet. Um, and that's not to say the expectation is on him to deliver. No, that that's completely separate to his price tag. But, you know, you, you, you'd you'd want to be getting him integrated into this, into this team um, because it is a young team. It's not like he's coming into a team of veterans. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to get your, your angle on, on, on the Saliba situation. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it pretty perfectly there. If you 
if you need lessons on how not to manage a young player, this was probably a good case study to follow because, you know, whatever happened in his personal life and um, just generally as a young man, you know, imagine going to another country where you don't speak the language and, you know, there's a, there's a personal transition there to be made and what, you know, we've heard horrible things about what's happened to him, uh, you know, behind the scenes with his parents and, you know, that, that can take a mental toll on anyone. And that's not a surprise that they've sort of kept that under wraps because, you know, Arsenal are, are quite good with handling those sorts of situations anyway. Um, but it's just been this, this unnecessary mystery around him. Um, you know, he, he sort of, there was already a conflict after we didn't agree with Saint-Étienne to let him play in the Coupe de France, or was it Coupe de, Ligue, Coupe de la Ligue final? I can't quite remember. Um, against PSG and already there there was a bit of uh, sort of tension and conflict between him and and Saint-Étienne and Arsenal you know Um, but then people were expecting him to like return get back get back to speed with his new teammates learn a bit of the language and hopefully not start straight away but be involved you know Um, because like you said this is not a cheap player this is a 28 million pound player who has played um, a key role for Saint-Étienne um, and then you see, oh, Premier League squad, no Saliba in there. Europa League squad, no Saliba in there. And then we're like scrambling on, on deadline day to try and get him back to Saint-Étienne. And then it's that falls through in the last minute. And then we're trying to get him to the championship. And then he doesn't want to go to the championship. And you're just like, what is going on? Seriously, who is like managing this situation? Because if he has a bad year, he's probably thinking, oh, my, my long-term future is not here. And then it's just going to turn into a complete waste of an investment and like you I've got no doubt in my mind that William Saliba is a, is a capable defender I've watched him as well and you you, you could physically feel the transformation Saint-Étienne uh, sort of underwent when he was included into the side into the first team and it's just such a shame that it's developed this way because I know Arsenal are stacked in defence they've got David Luiz they've got Gabriel Rob Holding Callum Chambers is back from injury Pablo Marie is back from injury you know, there's there's options there. Mustafi, Socrates, obviously they're going to leave in the summer. And when you know that, you're thinking, why are they? Why is Mikel Arteta and Arsenal putting investment and time into these guys when we've got Saliba there, ready to learn on the job? And like you said, these Europa League minutes would have been perfect for him. Lower opposition, we would have been in command of the ball. He can sort of step out and do what he wants and not be overly tested defensively. And then you just think, oh, it's a waste, you know, but... Like I said, we don't completely know everything that's happening behind the scenes, but you just think this this could have been handled a lot smoother if if people were sort of clear and, and honest about what was happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say there was hype around him signing, but you know, when an 18-year-old moves for £30 million, there's always going to be a, a, a certain level of expectation. And and just looking back, sort of we we posted a tweet on the on the Scouted account sort of right at the beginning of, of lockdown one back in March. Um, and saying, you know, quote, tweet this uh, with an 11-man team made up entirely of your favourite young players, um, you know, have to be born 1996 or later and only one player per nation. And we got a lot of replies with Saliba being the the, the French player. And you think how many, how many good French players you could pick from? Uh, and a lot of people have gone with Saliba. And you think, well, you know, clearly there's, there's a player that, that everybody rates here. And yeah, the, the situation with with him not being involved in the squads, trying to be offloaded on deadline day, you know, as a as a as a young man, you know, you've you've just been signed by this club, or effectively, you've just sort of arrived at this club after a year, a year being on loan after properly signing, um, and you know, you, you you've been sold this dream of you know Arsenal see you at the future, the heart of their defence, which is no doubt what was said to him um, when, when he signed in the summer of two thousand and nineteen. Um, and yet, the, this is the, this this is the situation where you know the club are trying to offload him, albeit on loan, um, but to, to to anyone who will take him. Essentially, um, you know that that's not. It, I, I don't know if that was me. I wouldn't feel valued. I wouldn't feel respected. And surely there's a better way to go about that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. even if the circumstances weren't right for him to start playing for Arsenal right now, if he wasn't comfortable or whatever, um, you know, surely there could could have been ways to, to better accommodate him because as you say you know he's a very young man moving to a, moving to a new country new language new culture um, new people won't have his, the same support network there 
I don't know. I just, I, I kind of share the same, the same idea with you, you know, that surely this, you know, we don't know everything and there could be very, very, very valid reasons for why he's been sort of excluded from, from first team football at the moment. But yeah, the, there's, I just feel like it perhaps could have been handled better with a bit more yeah, I don't know, for sure. sensitivity, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a weird one. It's a, it's a weird one. I, I mean, my hope, my personal hope is that they sit down in, in the coming weeks, you know, air everything out on the table, him, his agent, Arteta, Edu, they can all just sit down, get everything out um, and then look forward constructively, you know, find him the best loan that it will probably be Saint-Étienne again. But I think in France, there will be a number of teams willing to take him. Rennes, for example, Nice were, were linked as well, even though they've literally just sacked Patrick Vieira. Which is <laughs> yeah, nice I've just bit, seen that now as well. <laughs> which is some Arsenal symmetry there, but, you know, <laughs> Just have a get him out somewhere early in January as well, not late. You know, make sure he's there in the first week of January. Let him have his his time away from the club to settle, to play, and then come back and sort of wipe the slate the slate clean. So, because as we said, this is a huge asset and we can't really afford it to go wrong. So, and it will be a huge shame, a really huge shame, because I think he and Gabriel have the potential to to be a really nice partnership together for for the future. So it would be a shame to lose that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that kind of might have been in the back of the club's mind when, when they were trying to recruit Gabriel because, you know, there there is the makings of a fantastic partnership there. Um, So, yeah, I, I for one definitely hope that, you know, that I, I still do think there's a future. You know, it, it's talk is cheap and he's still very young, as is Gabriel. So, you know, that could be a, a partnership for, for the ages to come. Uh, and I think it will be. It's just a little bit uh, a little bit difficult to traverse at the moment. Um. Mm. But uh, t- t- just moving on to to a player that we've just discussed um, a little bit earlier, just touched on ever so slightly, but maybe didn't go into in the in the same depth that we perhaps could and should. Um, it's it's I, I don't know. It feels like it's going to end up developing into this long running transfer saga of you know the the, the Hungarian wonder kid, RB Salzburg's prize. You know, it, will he won't he move to Arsenal? Oh, you know, it, it just has all the hallmarks of that. And I mean, I, I think we, uh, we we probably spoke about this six months ago, or maybe maybe even longer. Um, and it was it was it was sort of being mooted at the time that you know Arsenal might move for him in the summer, but he, was he the finished article yet? Was he the finished product? And there's still, I think, some concerns over Dominic Sobersly's inconsistency. But over 2020, that has been you know that's kind of been debunked by his performances on the pitch. You know he has been consistently you know very good um in terms of the output that he's that he's had on display you know for club and country i mean that's even before you get to sort of his his highlight real attributes of free kick taking and and and, and shooting from anywhere and and uh, his, his dead ball um technique and, and delivery you know i think uh jake jake entwistle you know he he tweeted uh the i think it was last night or the other night um just a, an average position of of uh Soboslai, uh against oh, who was it locomotive um for, for for salzburg in the champions league and it was it was very it wasn't a left midfielder it wasn't a left forward it wasn't an attacking midfielder it was somewhere very very much in sort of that left hand half space where mm you feel like Arsenal could really do some damage if they had a player who had sort of the confidence oozing from them that, you know, that, that Soboslai has. Um, I mean, I'd love to see him in the Premier League. I'd absolutely love to see Dominic Soboslai test himself at that level on a on a consistent basis because I do think long-term he has the capability to do it. Um, I understand that, you know, <laughs> the price tag that he will cost maybe might not be uh, the best investment at the moment for a player who perhaps could be inconsistent in in a first season in a top five league. But, you know, if you want to beat other clubs to the punch, then sometimes that's the price you have to pay. Um, I don't know, Phil, can you see him signing for Arsenal? Well, I I can see it for sure. I mean, (laughs) but it's just, it's what we mentioned earlier. There's so, there's going to be so many teams in for him uh, because, you know, Salzburg have a history of, of producing these guys and and people will probably be thinking maybe if he's not right for our team right now, can we afford to miss out on on him as, as an investment, you know? Because, I mean, what is it, a £23 million release clause? 
mm. which is in the grand scheme of things not too much at all and i think you can pay it in installments as well which is even more uh, ridiculous um three installments i, I heard the, the rumors going around so look i mean in terms of his profile what he offers the team i think i'm going on record now and i think he would be a really amazing option um for arsenal in, in the in the number eight role or in the on the left-sided role he's got technique you know size pace i've got no doubts about him flourishing in the premier league with that you know some players you look and you think oh he might be bullied a bit but he's you know he's a big lad he's strong he's tall he can carry the ball like you said his set piece prowess is speaks for itself he's basically a human highlight reel you know but i have just a few things in the back of my mind that are just like Ugh. I, I, sometimes i i watch salzburg and i don't see him for half an hour or you mm. know I, yeah. I find that games pass him by a, a, a bit. Um, and I think Arsenal need goals from midfield for sure. And he brings them in in abundance. But I just have one or, one or two doubts about his uh, his overall game. But for me, that's normal. He's, he's a young player. You know, it's difficult to constantly, you know, he, it, like David Silva, for example, where he's constantly touching the ball. You know, it's so hard to be involved and to make your impact on a game so frequently. Um, but, you know, you have to weigh things up. There are flaws in his game, yes. But can you see the quality? Yes. And just think in a couple of years, this guy could be a really talented player. And it's just whether you want to make that investment and you believe in his ability. And I think it's definitely a possibility. But I just, I don't know. I, I see Germany as the next logical step for him. Uh, and I think he'll end up going to to Leipzig. My personal feelings that he'll go to Leipzig, but Milan are, are strong contenders as well. So we'll see. But no doubt, I would love to have him at Arsenal. Yeah, Milan have done some good uh, recruitment recently. You know, we only saw last night um, Jens Petterhaug is scoring a um, fantastic mm -hmm. solo goal against Celtic. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know they've they've done some they've done some very smart recruitment, which over the past ten years hasn't been very Milan like, but. You know, it, it, it makes sense that that's perhaps why they're after um, Somersley. Mm -hmm. And I remember speaking to to the guys at the other Bundesliga, uh, which is another fantastic podcast on, on Austrian football, um, back in back in the summer about Somersley and, and the, the interest from from AC Milan. And, you know, they, they watch him week in, week out. They are the authority on, on Austrian football. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and they were saying, you know, exactly what you've just said. You know, there are times when games just do pass him by. Um, you know, there'll be 30, 40 minutes where you probably won't do very much on the ball. But then yeah. he does have that. The, the thing that makes it such a conflict in your own head is that he does have that ability to just turn at the flick of a switch. You know, we saw with um, with Hungary's qualification for the Euros in that playoff game, you know, he just took the ball, carried it all the way up the pitch and then, and then <laughs> you know, shot very, very nonchalantly from, from outside the box. And you think... Yeah, you know, if 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 this if this kid misses here, you know his his country do not qualify for the Euros. <laughs> but no, yeah. he he had the quality and the confidence to do it, and I think, you know, that I think confidence will never be a, an issue for him. It just it's it's the the consistency, and yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think the Bundesliga will be a good league for him to go to because I think it's very it's very sympathetic to developing players. It's it's less harsh and less rigorous than um than the Premier League. Uh, because mm -hmm. I think in the Premier League you've probably got five or six teams that would really dominate most, like most game weeks and most opponents in the Bundesliga. Um, but you know, as opposed to you know in Germany, you've probably got what Bayern, obviously Dortmund, um, you know Leverkusen on their day, Mönchengladbach um, mm. are sort of getting that way, but you know n not the same sort of I don't know it's pedigree. Just, that, yeah. It's like you said, there's a very sort of welcoming environment for young players in the Bundesliga. But I, you know, someone asked me about Soboslai a few weeks ago before the, the links sort of got really serious. And I said, he's a moments player. And I got a lot of, not backlash, but a lot of people were complaining about it. And I said, it's not a bad thing. Like you said, to be a moments player, that means you can make the difference. You know, it's like mm. you said, he misses that shot. Hungary don't go to the Euros. Um, it's just you know everything looks easy for him and I, I feel like now is the right time for the step up I just have one or two concerns about his his overall game but for me you know he's a he's a clear talent you know and it's not a bad thing to be a moments player because it shows you can make the difference 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, sort of on now onto something which will be more off the pitch. Um, we saw earlier this week, um, or depending when you're listening to this podcast, uh, on the first of December, uh, the FA uh, set out the the new work permit rulings, which are going to affect uh, the UK after after Brexit and, and clubs in the UK um, after the UK leaves the European Union, uh, and and the. The, the the new players coming in, incoming players will now be subject to uh, to, to a points based system um, to to earn a work permit and play in in uh, England, um, and just sort of on on looking at it and, and going through the the various criteria, it seems as though you know your 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 big name transfers from the top five European leagues um, probably won't have too much trouble uh, coming over to to England anymore. Um, it's more to do with the fact that there will no longer be any foreign under-18 players allowed to be signed by English clubs, um, which obviously affects the landscape of, uh, of, of a lot of the time, big clubs' academies, um, but also uh, that clubs will be restricted to, to three uh, under-21 foreign signings per window and six per season, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you actually delve into the, the under-23 transfers that go on behind the scenes um, at, at most big clubs, you know, you do see that they bring in four or five in, in, in a window and you wouldn't be able to do that if you wanted to supplement the first team as well yeah. now um, in terms of Arsenal you know I mean we just talked about Nikolai Muller um, he, he, him coming in in, in the summer um, from Sweden you know the, how, what does this mean now for, for the academy setup uh, in terms of how, how it's going to affect the way that they, they, they bring through players because now they, there's simply going to have to be a bigger focus on, on more homegrown talent yeah, and I think that's a good thing, you know. Um, Arsenal fans take a lot of pride in their Hayland Academy because even now, for example, you see Joe Willock, Reese Nelson, Bukayo Saka, who's you know still... Uh, every week he manages to put in like 8 out of 10 performances. It's incredible. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. You know, there's we have players coming through. And even looking a bit deeper, uh, who, who we haven't mentioned yet, there's Miguel Aziz, who was on the bench... Um, against Rapid Vienna, Ben Cottrell, uh, Charlie Patino, you know, there's players there. Um, and I, I think for them, you know, whereas in the last couple of years, the trend has maybe been, oh, can I look at a team in France or Germany or the Netherlands to maybe further my development? There's a, a window now. There's a there's an opportunity for them now if they don't see players constantly coming in from, from abroad, you know, coming to, I don't know, let's sounds harsh but take their take their position so for sure there's added incentive for them but for sure top clubs are going to have to think about their strategies now because this is now more than ever recruitment needs clarity and for Arsenal clarity has not existed in their recruitment for about five years now so they really need to get together technical director head of youth Per Mertesacker Mikel Arteta and really you know, identify talent that they want and need instead of sort of that sort of fishing method where you just put a blanket over a certain area and you just take whatever comes up, you know. Um, they really need to think about what they want to do, which, you know, if players fit into their style, which, you know, if, if we want to press, we need to buy players that can press. If we want to keep possession, we need to buy players that can keep possession. You know, it really needs a, a sort of refined way of thinking. And I think for sure in the lower leagues, even not just Arsenal related, you know, players in the EFL can really look at um, at the Premier League and the Championship and think, oh, there's a window for me here because, um, you know, there's a natural pathway, whereas before it was being blocked a lot. So, I mean, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I think Brexit is going to complicate a lot of stuff. And I think it's just having to adapt to a new situation, basically, because as I said, there's, there's this points-based system now where you have to really be careful about who you bring in. And, and you know, like you said, it's about supplementing the first team as well and not just your academy. So, um, But we've seen it before. Chelsea, Man City, United, Arsenal, they always pinch players from abroad. So now they have to really think about what they want to do moving forward. Yeah, it seems as though, you know, the the, the likes of Mertesacker, Arteta, technical directors and, and, and the like are, are going to have to um, whack some heads together and, and, and actually get on the same path you know, because there was lots made over the summer about Arsenal's recruitment process with the the, the wide scale sacking or letting go of, of key key members of the scouting setup. You know, uh, Kaji Zhao, um, who obviously was responsible for the likes of 
you know, uh, identifying Fabregas and the like, um, not being at the club anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's, there's the the club are going to have to develop in house a lot more as every other side in in English football is probably going to have to now, apart from maybe Manchester City who have that umbrella network of clubs, um, and to to circumvent the rules. But yeah, I think you know it, there'll be no more. Um, the likes of, you know, Jolie Dejo, Catalin Sergian, um, perhaps even Nick Muller's, you know, coming in. But yeah. it does open the door for, for as you were saying, the, the the Miguel Aziz's and and the like. So yeah, there's you know, there are there are moves at risk, but ultimately that paves the way for other players to, to come through and, and looking at the track record of, of Hayland, you know, it's not exactly going to be poor players who are being developed mm-hmm. it's, it's it's always going to be the the cream of the crop because you know if you if you're a young player sort of in the 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 greater london diaspora you know who doesn't want to play for arsenal essentially yeah. you know you, you, mm-hmm. it's, it's a massive club still probably the biggest club in london so you know it's it, it's still a massive massive pull and massive draw for, for young players um but yeah that, that 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 will it'll change the landscape but as you say i think it'll be more to do with with adaptation than, than anything else yeah, that's it. It's just new, you know, so people have to change. Um, but it will be interesting, actually, because Edu knows the South American market very well uh, during his time as the the sort of the behind-the-scenes coordinator of the national team and the youth team there. So he's basically seen every South American youth player under the sun. So maybe he can sort of use that knowledge to get us one or two players like Martinelli again. So it'll be interesting for sure. But with Hayland, I'm I'm not really worried because they have shown now and in the past that they, they produce impressive players so it's just about integrating them uh, because there's definite value not only if they can bring something to the squad but in the transfer market as well so especially during a, a covid hit market should we say you know 50 million here for eddie and ketia and 20 million there for anyone else is is never a bad thing oh it's a bold transfer move that it's a bold transfer prediction 50 million wow. for eddie Ooh. <laughs> 15 15 all oh, right okay well, i was gonna say i thought no no f- 5-0 Ooh. no 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 that's uh i mean just going off what happened with Rian Brewster, you know so yeah true 15, actually 20 yeah. million but you know there's gonna players will be in demand now english players so that's it even more so than usual it's interesting what you said about there about um edu's knowledge of the south american market because um i don't know if you saw but uh the sort of south american like major competitions as in the Copa Libertadores and the Argentina Premier Division and, and Brazil's Serie A. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're going they well, the Libertadores is weighted the same as uh as the Champions League in the new um yeah. point system. And mm-hmm. uh the Primera Division in Argentina and Serie A in Brazil are banned three um leagues in in the new point system, which, you know, does effectively earn you quite a few points going towards the the 15 point threshold um so there's there's um yeah there's this the scope now for for more south american players to come into the premier league um despite oh the for new sure rules, yeah for sure um which yeah. you know for, for football manager players is is a dream come true um <laughs> for, for anyone love who's it. been who's been scouting uh the the ecuadorian serie or whatever it's called <laughs> um ldu quito uh on on uh, at 1 a.m you know, and and then being spurned by a, a work permit rejection. No more, no more of those days. Um, so so yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, we'll see some some more South American flair, perhaps. Absolutely. But yes, that is uh, that is all from us on uh, this week's episode of the Scouted Football Podcast. Um, sort of done a little bit of a dive into to Arsenal's current situation, the the young players that are uh, that are coming to the forefront, and and the ones that that are already you know well established in the first team. Um, I think it's there's there's plenty to to be excited about. Although you know, the, immediately at this weekend it might be a, a nervy one. I think long term, <laughs> which is an god. understatement. Don't, don't. <laughs> oh god, no, thank but you. You're doing a Ryan Christie there, just doing the oh god. Oh, you <laughs> can't hold it in. <laughs> Tearing up, yeah. Already, um, no, but I yeah, mean, look, it, it should be an interesting uh, game. Put it that way. Well, we'll see. We'll see. No, I mean, I come hope. on. I mean, Spurs conceding three against Lask. You surely, you, you're going to be yeah. able to find some, I mean, find some look, spaces. I, if you look at the last six months, these games are sort of the ones we thrive in. So you never know. You never know. But 
I don't know, you, you already have Mourinho playing that, oh, Kane's injured, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, he's not. We know he's not. <laughs> we know your games, Jose. We know those games, mate. Yeah, but, you know, we'll see. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll pull one out of the bag. I hope we do because uh, one, one another defeat would make it, what, four in a row now? Yeesh. Ooh. Not good. Yeah, you don't want that. Not good. You don't want that. No. I think it's something like uh, Sunderland have got six in a row over Newcastle, despite not having played uh, Newcastle since 2014. So that's that's something that 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 fan base can hold over the other. Yeah, Um, it's it's like that meme, the pointing head meme. It's like you can't lose that record if you don't play them. So exactly, yeah, Yeah. roll safe in it. Yeah, yeah, roll safe. Yeah, smart, smart. Um, But yeah, that's that's all from us on on the Scouting Football Podcast. Hopefully, there's been some um, some insight from Phil on on players that you perhaps didn't know too much about, but we were aware of beforehand: the Balogun's, the Mullers, uh, the Emil Smith Rose. Um, But yeah, we'll be back next week uh, with another episode on the Scouting Football Pod, uh, and and shortly um, another Patreon podcast um, for for December. Uh, But yes, thank you very much for tuning in. In the meantime, take care uh, and speak soon. Bye bye.